Has Ryan got that to plug in or to hit him with? <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 472 being recorded on October 18th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath in the correct order that I'm supposed to be tonight because everybody's here for a change. And I'm Alan Mamantano that finally got a chance to say something. (laughs) Well, we fixed that, didn't we? Uh, Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, I don't really have, I don't have any funny, witty... Things to say at the beginning, I guess. Uh, how's everybody doing? It's been so long since I've seen Josh. That's okay. My life's just as crappy as, as the last time you saw me. So, <laughs> okay. I see the motorcycle helmets are still are in the same place. Different headphones? No, they're the great OSR 225s have had for a long time. Different on your monitor, maybe? Well, you know what? It's the blue shirt really brings brings out the blue in my eyes and the headphones. Mm. I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, welcome to the show. We record and talk about computer hardware sometimes. Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific is when we do record the show. You can watch us record it, hang out in the chat room, all that type of stuff at pcper.com slash live. If you need a little reminder uh, about said event, so that you can be sure to participate in in all of it. You can go to PCPro.com slash subscribe as soon as he figures out how, how our rundown works. And come on, ESPN is beating us to this punch here. Uh, and if you want to join us for the live stream in this very seamless, always prompt, and always very technically capable setup, you go to PCPro.com slash subscribe, get your name and your email address in those fields right there, and we'll send you an email uh, about our podcast. And that will be... That will be it. That's all of it. Uh, and also we have our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash PCPro. This is your way to become a monthly regular contributor to PC Perspective if you would like to. Now the text is highlighted. I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, <laughs> and as, as is always the case, uh, if you become a new patron or increase your patrons during the show, I will read your name off on uh, uh, on the live stream and thank you for it profusely. He, he so will read whatever you put life. for your name. Indeed. Uh, other notes, uh, just in case, we do have we have posted our another episode of the mailbag, which you can see at youtube.com slash PCPer. You can see that wonderful dude right there uh, wearing a bright yellow shirt, mm-hmm. talking about computer that hardware. That whole animation of, of Ryan Shroud going, mm-hmm. swiping back and forth. That's, it's, that's really, high speed, low drag. It's really worth seeing that all of the time. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, so check that out. All right, so let's get into stuff. Uh, oh, we did post a PC per plays as well. Uh, me and Jim walked through some Shadows of the Empire from 1997. Literally got the takedown dispute, not takedown notice. What do you call it? Like a copyright, a, a copyright uh, notice. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds after the stream was over on the live stuff and then like 30 seconds after the video was done processing uh, for the posted version because it has all the Star Wars music in it. Go figure. It's a Star Wars game. Well, so yeah. I mean, F is that even that. fair use then? Like, it's not like I mean, I think it should be. Should be. Whatever. I don't really care. Yeah. Play in your damn game. Leave me alone. Uh, yeah. So Shadows of the Empire. Uh, I, it was a good game. Now it's an okay game. All right. Technology. Let's talk about this. This actually launched while uh, they were recording the podcast last week. Well, you and I were out of town. We were yep. at Western Digital learning about this technology. Mammer, M-A-M-R. Uh, 
the quick overview is this is the technology that's going to let us get up to 40 terabyte hard drives. And bigger. That's what they say. But they only, they only quoted 40 terabytes. I wanted to quote like a 100 terabyte hard drive. but we're not uh, Well, I mean, there's still a limit. Like, you know. No. Unlimited hard drive storage. No, no, you put no. it in the microwave. Turn it on. Every 30 seconds, your hard drive is in the microwave. You double capacity. <laughs> I think that's how the technology works. If like I paid attention to the presentations. Johnny Mnemonic where you just, get a, you just get a drive doubler and poof, everything. Just yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. So okay. give, me, give us a quick rundown. What is, what is this thing that Western Digital has announced and why do I care? All right. So there was a limit with hard drive technology, current uh, um, perpendicular recording. Which is technology. what all of our like over four terabyte hard drives, over six terabyte hard drives yeah, are using. Today. Like yeah. everything over 320 well, no, yeah, it's, I mean, gigabyte. It's been, uh, get some, perpendicular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get remember perpendicular. Get perpendicular That's yeah. a good song. That was a while back too. That's a good song. Right. Um, so, it's like 2003, 2004, perpendicular So that out. let us get into like the terabyte range-ish, right? The whole okay. shift to perpendicular, because if you tried to, you know, lay the, the fields on their side, like it was very inefficient for space. Yep. Right? And if you stack them, you know, have them sticking up like dominoes, like that works better. Okay. So that's kind of solved and bought us uh, all the way out to like around 20 terabytes mm-hmm. is where... You know, you, you, we really wouldn't be able to make hard drives any So we only have up to, what, 14 today? Yeah. Uh, but Western Digital said, like, they believe that the theoretical limit, the peak of what they can do with the current existing technology was about 20 terabytes. Yep. And uh, the reason is this thing called the paramagnetic threshold. Yeah. Which is you can only make magnetic domains so small and still be able to focus enough energy on that area in yeah. order to change the the magnetic you can only make them so small while also maintaining enough strength to flip the pole yeah yeah Yeah. you know smaller domains even smaller uh right head in order to change the you know such a small area and you can only focus so much you know magnetic force Mm -hmm. into that area right um so you end up with a threshold that basically levels out to about 20 terabytes so Mm -hmm. if we want to go higher than that uh Uh, we need some we need some other way right and uh, we've talked a lot, and Jeremy actually has done probably dozens of news posts over the past couple of years talking about uh, like a uh, hammer, right? Heat-assisted magnetic recording, which is Vapor where which is where you, you which is where you hit the uh, you hit the media with a laser. That's again, this is the laser. That's the literally like the width of the track, which is super narrow anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's not a lot of power, yeah. but it's focused on such a small area that it's actually able to heat up that media up to like several hundred degrees centigrade just before you try to change the magnetism. Doing and aiding in what? Aiding in, you know, if, if the media is much hotter, then it, you are able to overcome that threshold, that limit. Okay. Because if it's, it's hotter, easier to flip it's easier the, to flip the, the magnet. Bit. Yeah, like if you overheat a magnet, it's not magnetic anymore. See, right. I, I didn't know that until like, learning about this tech. But, yeah. Okay. So same kind of thing applies there. So you just, you just needed some way to add extra energy above what we could already do, right? Okay. Um, well, what if there was a way to add extra energy without adding heat? Uh, it, which would be good because heat has some unknown impact on reliability of these drives. Yeah. It because basically, anytime you heat up something to about 700 degrees Celsius, uh, <laughs> it's going to have a negative impact on the longevity of that device. Yeah. And you, and you start running into issues where you have to start treating hard drives like you treat SSDs. Now you'd have to have like right wear leveling, leveling yeah. and you'd have to have all this other, and you would have a, a more finite amount of times you could overwrite 
the same area of, and, and of I'd a hard imagine disk. Designing a laser that only shines within the width of uh, of uh, that small of a width is a difficult problem to miniaturize uh, and put in a hard drive. It is difficult to miniaturize, but honestly, like they've actually come pretty far on that. The, mm. di- the difficulty is really in the media. Yeah. It's really in making the media last hmm. to a po- to a degree where it's you know constantly be some, something that could be mass produced and just end yeah. up in your desktop, right? Um, so this thing called MAMR, which is microwave assisted magnetic recording, uh, is like uh, they caught me off guard with this, like completely. Like Ryan and I were both like Mammer? halfway halfway yeah, through this presentation, we we're not just the fact that we hadn't heard of it which i probably should have heard of it because the technology has white papers like dating almost 10 years ago yeah what the hell but it was like it was just one of the other potential hard drive technologies sure. that you know but you know we heard we heard all about this hammer stuff but never heard about mammer turns out wd was like working on this stuff for like eight or nine years or something trying to make it work um and it's not microwave like don't think microwave oven heating up your hot pockets i, I mean uh because it's not I mean, it's not it's adding microwaves. It's not adding energy. It's not. I should say. It's not adding enough energy that it's going to even make a noticeable difference in the temperature. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's which not, is it, where the advantage and reliability comes in. Yeah. It's. It's not. Um, even if it warmed up a little bit, like it's nowhere near what Hammer's doing. Yeah. Um, which is a lot still. But the 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 primary way, thing that makes this work is not by adding heat at all. It's by how the microwaves. Um, resonate because the microwaves are at a specific frequency that actually causes a resonance of the of the field that's there it, that's stored. Mm-hmm. In other words, you had a north pointing up, a south pointing down. Uh, the microwaves actually cause the field um, to do like what a gyroscope does when it starts, like you know how it St- starts how, to slow down. No, it presses. Like, it yeah, has, it, it, w- it has a procession to it. In other words, you try to tilt it one way, it angles another way. Okay. Right? Like a gyroscope does. This field resonates, like it's at the resonance frequency of the magnetic field that's stored mm-hmm. on the track. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it causes, instead of the north, the field to be like uh, perpendicular, like it was, it starts to put it on an angle. It's like twisting around on an angle. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, sort of like the thing the gyroscope does as it's running out of steam and it's about to, like a top. It's about to tip over. Right? If the field is not perfectly up and down and directly opposing the thing you're trying to do in other words you're trying to write the opposite thing right if you're able to get it to tilt mm-hmm. it, right? it makes it easier to flip first it's bit. making it easier to kind of just nudge it the other way and that resonance is actually adding the extra energy that you needed mm-hmm. to overcome that paramagnetic limit right now what's amazing about this is like the amount of energy that it takes to do the microwave thing it's like a hundredth of the energy used that the right head would normally apply right so this thing is able to make like a two to three times increase in effectiveness of the right head by only adding like 1% of the energy. It's just doing something different with the energy. Right. Right. It's different kind of energy. It's not a magnetic field now. It's an electromagnetic resonance instead. And it's like at a really high frequency. You're talking like tens of gigahertz, which was another engineering challenge, Ken, actually. That was the challenge why this thing hasn't been a thing so far. These yeah. guys made a thing that can generate 20 to 40 gigahertz microwaves, and they fit it inside the head. It's not even next to the head. Yeah. It's in the center of the head. <laughs> well, if you think about <laughs> so, it, that's actually like a comment. Like, that's 
a really robust innovation space in technology now. If you have, if you're thinking like five G, where you're dealing with cell phones that need radios that do microwaves in yeah. the same sort of. So there's a lot of people working on the miniaturization of microwaves. Yes, and I'm sure a lot of that research helped Western Digital do this. Here's what's even more amazing. This thing is pure. It purely makes the microwaves based on the composition of its material. Huh. You apply a DC voltage to this thing, and the more current you put through it, the higher frequency it goes. <laughs> that's just that's sweet, right? There's no logic. It's a literal. So so um, that leads us into like, okay, you know, it's w- another one of those potentially vaporware acronyms that they've thrown at us that we're going to be hearing about. That's going to be like. Like Hammer was going to be the, the what I said in the article. It's going to be this is going to be the the next best uh, storage technology within the next three to five years, and we've been saying that for like fifteen years or something, right? Uh, this technology is probably not going to suffer from that problem because yeah. a they've already figured out how to make these microwave generators, right? Okay. Um, B that like one of the things they talked about was that uh, Western Digital has already uh, pioneered a different way of making uh, hard drive heads that they have been using for the past like over three years. And that technology allows them to integrate this microwave generator into their heads. So in other words, they already have the technology to, to enable this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the only, the the only other thing you add to today's hard drive, like you have a hard drive today shipping. I do. Yes. The only thing you add to it is a couple of wires coming off of the control chip at the end of the head or just before the end of the head that, Basically, you just need two more leads just to be able to turn on and off this microwave generator. Nothing else changes. The way you write the track stays the same. The, the, head, the rest of the head stays the same. The rest of the logic for the drive stays the same, except for just turning this thing on when you're doing writes. It's literally just turn this on when you're writing, and you can write to a space at potentially three times the density. So 40 terabyte drives, like December or January then? No, here's why. No. Uh, because the media... And the ability to sputter and produce, like, the media itself at with uh, domains that are smaller and smaller yeah. still has to progress. And they can't just flip some switch at the fab and poof, we suddenly have mo- magnetic domains that are, like, one-third the size. Right? Uh, okay. So that's still going to take some time. But there's no real barriers to that other than just innovating right. in the tech. Right? Yep. Um, which is cool, right? It's the, basically, the net, the net you know, result of which is... That they claim to be to have, uh, you know, on the roadmap now, forty terabyte hard drives, regular like fifteen percent increases in storage density, per and kind year. of a normal cadence. Yep. Right. Um, they uh, have much better uh, reliability than what they think Hammer's going to do, and then they also are able to basically say that where we thought. Hard drives and SSDs were going to cross on the cost per dollar spectrum at some point. I think yeah. most people were estimating like twenty twenty four or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a crossover. Yeah, because hard drive density had increases had slowed, mm-hmm. and SSD densities had will continue to go. Now, you know, Western Digital basically says through twenty thirty, they think hard drives at the minimum through twenty thirty will mm-hmm. continue to be able to offer a ten x improvement in performance per dollar or storage per dollar. Um, compared to SSDs, yep. maintaining their place in uh, data centers and in long-term storage and all this other stuff. Because we also talked about, you know, I wrote about in my Market Watch piece on this, like the need for for 
data storage is never going to go away. It's never going to get smaller. Mm-hmm. Everybody's creating more data. We want access to it. The biggest problem is how do you access and organize it? But we know that it will be on hard drives or a vast majority yeah, of it. Like big, there, big Western Digital also claims uh, 90% of the storage that exists mm-hmm. will continue to exist on hard drives. Yeah, 90% of the, the ca- of the capacity. Future. Of the capacity, yeah. yeah. Will continue to exist into the foreseeable future, yeah. which is, you know... Uh, Talking to some of the storage-specific analysts that were there, mm-hmm. people who have been doing this their whole lives, like one of the guys in the meetings I was in said, this fundamentally changed my outlook on the next decade of storage. Like he was of the mindset that hard drives were going to go away in the next five years. That was probably Jim Handy. No. Uh, <laughs> hard drives were going to go away in the next five years. It was going to be replaced by SSDs, and everybody was going to be okay with that because Western yeah, yeah. Digital bought into SSDs, and all, everybody had diversified into Flash and spindle-based uh, drives. Yeah. But now they've come up with this, and he's like, well, now I just think the next 10 years are going to be totally different than what he thought. So it's even though it's it's not something we're going to see a product on until 2019. Right. Um, and they don't really need to implement it until they're actually up against that 20 sure. terabyte wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they do plan on doing it like within yeah. a year or two. So, you know, even though it feels like it's really far out, uh, it's pretty quick for a technology cadence like this. Um, and, that will be something that you'll be able to do for the next decade is count on, on hard drives. Yep. And hey, hey, people on that, thought we're gone. Look on, the, look on that chart. Look at the yellow line, Ryan. Look at the yellow line. It crosses it crosses 10 cents a gig. Hell yeah, it it's, does. It crosses 10 cents a gig, but it's 2024. I was close. <laughs> Boo. I'm still, I, Ryan still, wants them now. So, I still think it's going to happen. So, I mean, that chart puts QLC at 2022. Aren't we even starting to be, see people talk about QLC now and like, they're oh, talking yeah. about it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be sooner than twenty twenty two, right? I mean, seeing them like, you know, in a lot of places in production. Not only that, but they're not like that QLC blurb on that isn't. Well, it does say twenty twenty two, but it's like, <laughs> eh. That seems a little bit. It, it seems like their SSD negative. predictions seems may a little be a bit little, far out. This might be based a on little in their, their technology and not all technology. Could be, yeah. but I mean, you know, it's it's gonna be a while before you before you have a QLC. Uh, you know, the the mass media area of your SSD is like a SLC cache ahead of a whole chunk of QLC. Like it might very well be 2022 before that's in a yeah. desktop SSD. Yeah, because TLC is pretty good right now. Yeah. It's a it's a good I, balance of efficiency, but it's not ten cents per gigabyte. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the QL you, it's it's diminishing. You have to realize though, it's also diminishing returns. Right, you went from SLC to MLC, you got fifty percent more space. Oh, I get it. The next rung is only 33% more. Yeah. The next rung is only a quarter more, right? So it's like, you know, there's a hesitation to go to QLC, right? I mean, not on my part. So, so Toshiba NWD announced QLC 96 layer flash in June. So, yeah, why not, would they be producing flash that they don't expect to it's be? It's the in fact that they can do it, but it's not meant for like your computer SSD. What SSDs are there besides computer It would be SSDs. in like things that are like right. Very few. Oh. Like in other words, in that same announcement, they were talking about using it for archival storage. In other words, write once, sure, and just come back to it years later and read it. Read as many times as you want, but yeah. you're only writing it very few times because yeah. the endurance just isn't there. Right? You can't beat the crap out of the Correct. channel material and then expect it to hold charge at QLC states, which is 16 sure. different states, and be able to read that, you know, reliably. Yeah. Right? Anyway. Uh, uh, all right. So good stuff. So that that's good stuff uh, yeah. from Western Digital. Good job on Mammer. Yep. Let's talk about a couple other things real quick. The so Maury posted his first X three seventy motherboard. 
This might be Maury's first AMD motherboard review. I don't know if that's the case. If it's not his well, first for us, uh, that's true. And if it's not his first here, it's his first in a very long time. Um, and we'd had a lot of people asking for these AM4 board reviews. So here you go. Um, the typical Mori detail fashion. So this is their crosshair. Nice looking board. Yeah, it is. Is this the board we had here? Yeah. yeah that's the board we, board we got review. for our reviews of it, right? Yeah. Um, it's got lots of RGB. Uh, it is. It's got the you know compatibility for AM3 and AM4 coolers, uh, lighting control. Obviously, um, it has 3D. I, I still like this idea. I don't know how many people are going to use it, but the um, uh, mounts for like 3D printed accessories. Uh, no PS2 ports. Disappointingly, I think no PS2 ports, but lots of USB headers across the way. One Ethernet. So, um, in general, this is actually. Well, let's see. Is this one of the higher feature count boards for X370 now, or have we gone kind of well it, beyond no, it's, that? No, it is. It's still a $250 product, yeah. and uh, it's higher for X370. It's not the highest, but it's darn close. You know, you've got uh, what they call the ROG water cooling zone. We talked about the Sync RGB, Supreme FX, 5-way optimization, um, USB 3.1 support, M.2, USB 3.1 Type A and C. In that regard, um, does it have two M.2 slots on this guy? I think I only see. Probably. I think it's only got one. I think it's only got one. Really? There's only the one. There's one here. Most. Of, I thought every single vertical one. I thought every single one of the 370 SKUs had two. Uh, no, it may be hiding. No, I'm serious. Like I went through the specs I mean, the other day. For, I can I can look at the yeah. back of this and I can look at if it has one. I'd be really sheets. surprised. Uh, storage one M.2 socket three with one. M key. Yeah. yeah. And Seriously. then, uh, yeah, just one. That's really surprising. Yeah. I don't think it's shocking, but whatever. Hmm. Um, but it's made, it's crafted with the finest Corinthian leather. Okay. And so right. that adds a 30%. Yeah. That RGB. Have you ever had motherboards right. covered in leather? And 20 karat gold connectors. Hmm. You know, uh, so and I think we've looked at this board a couple times, off and on. Uh, well, and generally with our with our CPU reviews as well. So you can you can take a look through this. The feature set is there. SLI Crossfire support. Um, you can see the typical uh, Mori giant ass heatsink pictures that that are are necessary for every review. Good spacing between the cooler and the graphics card. There, you know, so a lot of the Intel motherboards we see recently do not have that. Yeah, um, still looks like too damn. Heat sinks instead of one in those shots, but hey, I like that you can configure the fan to rest above uh, uh, even the tall memory, <laughs> tall memory configurations there. So, um, performance was really good. The overclocking capability. The only uh, thing that Mori had issues with was getting memory to clock over thirty two hundred megahertz. He was able to get the memory that he was used at, at up to four gigahertz on Intel platforms, although. <sighs> The memory controllers on the on the Ryzen parts and on Intel parts are, are very, very different. And so it's very likely that with some different memory, mm-hmm. we, he would have been able to get over 3,200 on uh, on this particular system. Uh, but in terms of overclocking, how high did he get this up here? Uh, 3.9 gigahertz on all cores. I think I was able to get mine up to 4 initially. He has the 1700X. I had the 1800X, but... You know, shouldn't be an, a dramatic difference there. So, 3.9 gigahertz on the processor, 3200 megahertz on the memory speed is going to equate to a very fast uh, Ryzen 7 system. 
$234 on Amazon and Newegg and BH Photo. So uh, I, I guess that there's a few issues with this board that people have complaining about for, for you know, quite a few months. One, they're a little slow on the uh, firmware updates. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. they, that they're on the first version of uh, Ajisa 1.006. I guess there's 1.006A. Um, Not like they Asus to do that. Updates. I mean, yeah, it's odd because they're usually some of the first, but yeah. I know that ASRock has been a lot more aggressive with their uh, Tai Chi board. So there's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of debate if, if the Crosshair 6 Hero is is kind of the cream of the crop so it's uh it's going to be interesting to see what asus does um it was one of the very first am4 boards out i mean it was our it was our launch board it was the one asus or amd sent with processors for us Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i'm not i'm not trying to you know yeah no 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 smash this into the ground but there's there's uh you know i've been reading around and there's some there is some concerns about the design and uh, how uh, Asus is is kind of supporting it. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if this will have the legs and if they can fix some of the problems with firmware. Um, I don't know. I will say, uh, you know, we've had a couple of issues with Asus BIOSes recently, just not on this board, but in general, that they're like, that they seem a little confused on, on what settings are defaults and core clocking and all this type of stuff. So yeah, you know, and then what was the board? What was the issue we saw recently? Um, was it, was it Asus that was getting in trouble for the, not in trouble, oh, but the default criticized for the, for the defaults. And um, yeah, what, yeah, they were, were their multi core enhancement on Z370. Yeah, oh, that, Z370. Was, that was the core enhancement yeah. setting. Asus and uh, gigabyte. <clears throat> well, it was a combination yeah. of two things. That was the core enhancement, multi-core enhancement and the default on some boards is set to like sync all cores. So not only was it enhancing yeah. the cores, but it was basically yeah. overclocking all of them slightly, or at least getting them all to go at the turb at the max right. turbo yeah, clock. So, so yeah, I, I have enough. I have confidence that ASUS will address that stuff, but it, it's worth it's worth looking into. Uh, in terms of Mori's review, stock performance, overclock potential, aesthetics, BIOS, RGB, and the Aura applet all good strengths. Um, weaknesses of the memory support over thirty two hundred, um, and it's, of course CMOS battery. Placement. I had there was a funny comment in here um, that the CMOS battery should have a motorized pop up holder with RGB lighting. Five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's going to happen one day. Just mind. for Maury. Yep. Uh, another quick note: we upgraded our network with some stuff. I guess it's not really a review as much as it is kind of like an experience report. Yes. So, uh, Ken, could you stand up in front of the class and tell us about your project? <laughs> Uh, well, for my project, I decided to finally update the aging infrastructure of the office. Okay. All right. All right. So essentially. And he doesn't mean you. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Essentially, when we moved into this place, we got, we had the local telco install our gigabit fiber connection. And we said, okay, that's good. We plugged in the gigabit switch we already had, plugged in some switches into some more switches, into some more switches, and called it a day. The, the switch with the 2x4 glued to the back of it? That yeah, was, that was still in yeah, use. Yeah. Gluing a 2x4 to the back of a switch does not affect its performance. <laughs> it simply affects the it's usability aesthetic. of the product as a physical item. Anyway, continue. It's a mounting solution. Yes, thank you. Uh-huh. Well, solution. Uh-huh. Uh, so... 
in preparation for some other things that we want to do with our network, like uh, move to 10 gig on a lot of our work computers and test beds, we decided to go ahead and take a look at the infrastructure of our network and pay some attention and actually get some good gear in here. Ugh. Yeah, right. So Ubiquity was kind enough to send over a couple pieces of equipment, uh, the first being their Unify Security Gateway Pro 4, which essentially is just a router okay. for all intents and purposes, if you try, try to tie it back to home gear. It's an enterprise-level router and firewall that you just plug your WAN connection in, and you plug your LAN connection in to your switch, and you kind of go go about your business. Right. So... It's from a hardware perspective. It's it's a fairly simple device. You, you shove it in a rack or on a shelf if you don't have a rack, and you, you go about your day. However, the software side is where it really starts to shine. If you scroll down, you can uh, probably open that in that screenshot in a new tab. Well, it's a little too big. All right. Uh, so the cool stuff about the unify line from ubiquity is that all of their pieces work together so we have the security gateway acting as a router and we have a unify access point for a wireless connection so what we end up getting is a whole bunch of information about our network uh exactly what traffic is going across they have this feature called deep packet inspection which if you move to the next screenshot in the review you'll actually see well where it'll tell you exactly what uh, is going across your network. It will identify traffic to certain services. Like here we see we've been doing a lot of traffic to backblaze recently as we've been backing up 10 terabytes fairly slowly. Uh, we, we do a lot of work with Dropbox. Someone's phone synced to iCloud in, the, in recent history and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. So essentially, it gives you just kind of all the information about what's going on in your network. Now... This security gateway has a bunch of features, a bunch of pro-level features like VLANs and uh, stuff like that that we haven't exactly dug into yet. But so far, it's been a really good experience, been a solid piece of gear. We haven't really had any problems with the network after we switched some stuff over. Sure. We had some configuration issues we had to work through, but we were trying to do some kind of advanced, silly stuff. Uh, We also got this device, which is... Yeah, that's the access point. Okay ubiquity ubiquity you know they're one of the first to actually have patches for the wpa2 issues i applied it to our access mm-hmm. point on monday these guys are on the ball yeah. and this stuff Unlike is linksys this stuff is yeah i i'll downright say inexpensive so that for uh, what you get yeah it's, it's it's really good yeah, it's enterprise-level stuff. I mean, you could absolutely use this in a large-scale campus deployment if you wanted to, and it's cheap enough that you could use it at home. I'm thinking about picking up one yeah, of these like access It's like 25% points. the cost of a Cisco one. Yeah. Now, I will say about this access point, we I, we have come into the office twice where it was off. Yeah, I I, I think that might have something to do with... Because this is a power the, with over the Ethernet. manual firmware update I did on Monday for the crack stuff. Okay, because it, it's power over Ethernet, which is great. Yeah, they give you the injector too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and if, you know we don't really utilize the benefit of that because ours just sits on top of a switch in our office. But, yeah, you know, in theory, it's probably roasting good. itself. No, uh, no, it, it's it's pretty well airflowed right there. Okay. But I, I've never picked it up and felt that it's warm. But yeah, yeah. And we're also not doing a huge amount of wireless traffic, no, in general either. But 
So what 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 is you say like reasonable cost? What like this access point is 130 bucks? Yeah. The for a three by three. Yeah, let me AC. look up the USG router. That is uh that's that's still only two hundred fifty bucks, and that's the highest end one they offer. Okay. And we end up getting the pro because that's support we, for dual WAN. Did you mention that? Yeah, so you could do fallover if we got a cable connection in here as well. We could do yeah. bonding and fallover and send some traffic through the cable connection if we want to. We could send all of our uh, illicit traffic over the cable connection. Use the fiber for the business stuff. Right. If we if we want to do that, uh, a bunch of cool stuff like that. Uh, we ended up getting the pro because we have a gigabit connection and the. Lesser products, if you turn on the deep packet inspection stuff, the processing power can get a little bogged down and not let you get yeah. full bandwidth. Can, but we've had no issues. We get full bandwidth from our connection through it. And it's just mostly a transparent piece of gear unless you need some features. Can you, you believe on. we had to replace this guy right here? That's ISO? Yeah. Mm. I thought this would switch, the, switch to this computer. <laughs> the, no, not ah, that. It's not that. There it is. That yeah. one. I thought we'd keep this mm. guy forever. To be fair, we weren't <laughs> using the 802.11n built into that. No, we, no, we, we were, were using, using a separate router yeah, for Wi Fi in access point mode. Uh, yeah. So we weren't totally in the Stone Age, but yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's run through our news items here. Bix lighters. Tell me about them. Uh, they were made in like a long time ago. And I think they still make them. They still make them. They're more plasticky oh, yeah. now. They're cheaper than Zippo's, yeah. less reliable, but you can buy them at a gas station. Yeah. Don't you? All right, yeah, now tell me about yeah. Toshiba Bix. It's flash memory. B-I-C-S. It's, it's, their, it's their 3D flash. Lowercase i. It is Toshiba's 3D NAND, which, of which they can make in six... Well, they're making consumer stuff 64 layer now, but as Ken was talking about, like they're... They recently announced like 96 layer, which we posted about a few like a month back or so. Mm-hmm. This is in June. Was it all the way yeah. back in June? <laughs> that there was this is in June. Yeah, there was one announcement where it's, it's like been a the, short year. Toshiba and Western Digital were kind of like sideswiping each other because Toshiba said, "Oh, we can do um, like one company said we can do um, you know 96 layer," and then like three days later, the other company said, "Oh, we can do." Um, you know, uh, quad level cell, <laughs> and then yeah, and that was they were both talking about the same flash. Anyway, do we have a drive on this yet? Uh, that has this in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe so. The TR two hundred, Toshiba TR two hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, we TR two hundred. We do have that. Yeah. Yep. You're a liar. Yeah, we have it. We have You're been a lying uh, liar that lies. We have been uh, it, distracted it by other well things. For its price, you've been using it as a doorstop, haven't you? No, no. no. <laughs> I wedged it under uh, one of the legs of my seat so it wouldn't wobble. No, there's three of them on my desk. Minus, well, two. Now that your seat's not wobbling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, so we'll, soon on that. Well, yes, soon. All right. That's fine by me. More 3D NAND is better. Yes. Uh, Jeremy, you posted this up. MSI GTX 1080 Ti Gaming X Trio. This is the game of suffixes. So uh, what's awesome about it? I, well, essentially the Trio comes from the fact that this has got the Trifrozer cooler on it. Mm. So you got the two cent- 10 centimeters on the outside and the 9 in the middle. So you get a little bit of uh, fancy airflow on your super pipes. And Sebastian uh, can... Attest to that trio cooling thing. Super pipes. I don't. No. It looks Wasn't like it has LEDs about that too. last week. Well, he's complaining yeah. about the specific 290X Lightning, which 
Oh, well, was yeah. a card. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So that was an bar. older uh, Frozer cooler. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's got Mystic Light on it. So you've got three different zones of RGBs and, and you can sync it with uh, compatible motherboards and other components as long as it'll do the Mystic Lighting. And apart from that, I mean, it's got a decent overclock at the gaming mode of uh, 1607 megahertz. 1600 or, and 1620, rather. 1607 on gaming. Yeah. So it's a decent overclock for a TI. Yeah. It's going to stay relatively cool. And if you like the glow, it's got it for you. Yeah. I mean, somebody in the chat says, uh, you know, another TI, blah, 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 which is like accurate. Oops. Uh, which is like accurate. But hmm. it's still the best performing graphics card that exists. So, you know, kind of, yeah. XP, bro. They're going to, no. They're still going to keep making these. And and upselling and, and this clearly is a three slot design, you know. This is yeah. And they don't give yeah. they don't give us a profile you're, shot you're, here, you're Jeremy. Feeling the but, flow, yeah. You're liking the glow, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Asus announced a ROG Strix monitor. They are now applying this brand to essentially everything in the world. Um. I guess they always had R- it was ROG, ROG, but they didn't have Strix. We talked yeah. about this last week, actually. Did how you, Strix just kind of got absorbed into ROG at some point, and now there's like, yeah. there's like notebooks? no... Oh, there's no differentiation? Yeah, yeah, between ROG and Strix. It's just all one. So now just, it's just one just, term. Honestly, ROG is a good acronym for a phrase that is dumb. Right, yeah. Republic of Gamers doesn't mean anything to anybody. You know, it's for enthusiasts and and not necessarily only gamers. Strix is kind of like just a cool word that doesn't have any baggage attached to it. So I'm fine with that. But let's just get rid of ROG. They just call it ASUS Strix and move on. But clearly they're not going to. Uh, what is unique about this particular display? Anything, Jeremy, stand out to you? Got lights in its bum. Ooh, of course. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they went for the exact same. That and you guys have seen one of these monitors and made the same comment of. Why would you put a light circle behind the monitor where no one's ever going to see it? Yeah, there yeah. have been models that do the same thing the, with the stand. Yeah. We have, we the have one, one on the bottom there. is decent, but the, the one behind it is just really questionable. Oh, is there one, also one behind it? Scroll down just a little bit. Oh. Yeah, there is. I mean, if you see the back of your desk, like... Is it bright enough to reflect off of a wall and do that Phillips? Maybe if you put thing. a mirror there. No, like like the desk in Dude, my house. I, I is like bias lighting. The, the back of I the monitor. I would like more of it. Yeah. On the back of my I, monitors. I agree with you, Josh. I just don't think this is going to be bright enough for the bias lighting, and it's also not close what enough to the, the edges of the what screen. What was the other? What is the other monitor that has that built in? Is it well, there was a just this TV? One there's or another. Or I mean, it's, it's on cool TV. if your desk is oriented really in such a way where people monitors. are potentially walking behind it. Or yeah, if you're, you know, yeah, there's some monitor that had it. it. May have been this one, but I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I remember Antec sold that bias lighting kit for a while, and and I didn't yeah, get yeah. a hold of it. I wanted to. It's a one forty four hertz panel, handy. but the FreeSync range tops out at one forty, which seems Correct. weird. Um, that's a weird limit, unless it's a typo. Uh, no, nope. probably not. Um, I think that I think we've seen that on another. Wait, mm-hmm. it tops out at what? What's the one forty, not one forty four? I don't. Yeah, typically don't the top is. end of the panel is just the top end. Like it's just, you know. I wonder if there's some math thing that is easier that way. I don't know. I don't know. That would be my bet, and then you can just set it at a static one forty four hertz. And yeah. so for everyone complaining, oh, it's a ten eighty p monitor. Well, you want one hundred forty four hertz. 
Like we've we've tested other FreeSync <laughs> at low cost. One, I think too. We've tested a, a yeah. 144 hertz FreeSync panels that went all the way to 144. That's why I'm just yeah. That baffles me. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it, this I one's agree. 350. So 350 dollars. Maybe not. It's, yeah, it's not pretty bad. cheap. So and it's know. uh, what's the type of panel? What is it? TN VA. It's VA. VA. Yeah. It's a VA. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good price. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's probably not the the neatest VA out there, but uh, it's certainly good. And it also comes with a display widget. I don't know if you guys have played with that or not, but it's like an enhanced on-screen display software utility that you can launch and use with your oh mouse. Oh my god! Finally, or the, as opposed to <laughs> clicking and then screwing around with a little joystick. How has on that it. not been a Which, thing yet? Didn't we test I some display brilliant. that was kind of, sort of like that? But like, yeah, it I was think really EIZO company that yeah. did one display that had that. Like, right. how is that not a universal it, it, feature it, it, at this point? It also point? had, like, a phone app <laughs> or something. Yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> like, you could mess with the OSD settings all in the phone app or something. Right. Bluetooth pair your phone oh. to your computer yeah. monitor. Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk, change up gears, talk about a mobile device, the Huawei Mate 10. Not much to talk about here sebastian wrote this news post up so this is their continuation of launching high-end smartphones um this one uh features a new 3d glass body which is in other words curved i i, I mean i guess i mean it's clearly three dimensions because i can hold it in my hand it's curved but yeah uh, and this the, the the kind of interesting thing here for from my perspective is that it uses the new Kirin 970 processor, uh, which they announced a couple of months ago. So it's the new fastest SOC from what is it High Silicon slash Huawei? They're the same company. Um, the 970 includes uh, what is it eight? Where's the where did he have that in there? Yeah, eight core CPU, twelve core Mali G72 GPU. It includes their neural processing unit um, for AI-related tasks. What I, what, I, what I find curious about this is now, you know, Huawei announces, Apple announces, Qualcomm has, you know, neural neural net-specific mm-hmm. stuff in their mobile devices. What the Kirin 970 does with it? Yeah. Like, I know what Apple does with it. They have control over the software stack and the hardware stack, so they can do interesting mm-hmm. things. Qualcomm, being the largest provider of SOC, uh, it tries to tries to get Google to do things with it, tries to get OEMs applications to use some of those yeah, DSPs and some API processors. thing, I'm sure you So can. I'm just curious what the Kirin 970 and the Mate 10 do with some of that extra processing tech. Because they well, were, they were mean, technically the first to announce a yeah. neural net processor on their SOC. And they're, they're in a better place than someone like Qualcomm, technically, because they're making... They make the whole device. They're making, they're making phones as well. Sure. But what they don't do is they don't make the software. And well, that's yeah, really... They, the, yeah, they do. Well, like, they can, th- th- this this has a camera app that uses it. Okay. Like they don't make the operating system, but they make right. software that runs on top of the OS that utilizes it. Uh, okay, yeah. The uh, utilizing the dual Leica or the new Leica dual camera with Sumi Lux H lenses, both featuring an aperture of f one dot six, an intelligent photography, including AI powered real time scene and object recognition, and AI powered bokeh effect, which is more or less what the Pixel two. Well, the Pixel does. 2 does it with one camera. Yes. It's just the fake bokeh with one camera. Yeah. That, the yeah. AI, seems to be it, it does an AI-powered bokeh. So this, well, I mean, 
they're all bogus because one of them is just taking a blurry picture that it puts behind you. Sure, but right? Pixel I mean, 2 reviews came out this week, and it seems to be a level iffy. Oh, really? With uh, the, the picture, with the depth, I thought the so. stuff I saw that it was pretty good. So the, is it? are there but, two uh, different phones here? Is one the Pro? Yes, one is uh, the Mate 10, and the, and the other one is the Mate 10 Pro. Which gets you what? Uh, the Mate 10 is a 5.9-inch um, with an IPS display supporting HDR10. Uh-huh. Mate 10 Pro is a uh, 18 by 9 OLED display also with HDR10. So it's an IPS versus a, an OLED, and it's a little bit taller. The Pro is a little bit taller okay. than, uh, than the standard. They both have the same SOC. They both have 4,000 milliamp hour batteries. Wait. Um, Might as well just start calling it amp hours by now. Yeah. Yeah. Four amp hours of uh, of that. Yep. Uh, fast charging support, 1% to 20% in 10 minutes or 1% to 58% in 30 minutes. Pretty good. For a battery that size, especially. Yeah. Even more so. Um, they ship with Android 8, simplified EMUI, which I hope they actually live up to that claim, right? Less less garbage around it, more direct Google stuff. But obviously, that's what they wanted to try to inject some of their capability into that. So, so no U.S. pricing that I know of. Uh, at least as, as Sebastian wrote this, European pricing for the Mate 10 with 64 gigs and 4 gigs of memory is 699 euros. And the Mate 10 Pro was 799. So um, I think those are mid to late November release, I think. So we'll we'll try to get our hands on those to do some performance testing of that at new SOC too. I think we already mentioned this, but... Is it worth mentioning again the Wi-Fi security crack, or is this a different one? Uh, we had only mentioned it in passing when talking about the ubiquity. Right, right. right. Is this a different one, Jeremy? Or is this the same thing? Nope. This is the same one. Okay. The same thing, but now the researchers published their stuff. Right. So we're after the date where now it's just out. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they they had an embargo. Yeah, that they versus, placed upon it because yeah. they notified manufacturers. That's fair. Yeah, so that's, that's a good idea. That's out now. So now's the time to look to your manufacturer of your router and make sure you, you know. Well, the the router isn't and the if biggest you're deal. A, well, the router is running an old Android phone. Just get rid of the yeah. damn thing. It's, it's also it's, an issue. It's, time to it's that every client needs a patch as well, yeah. which yes. don't exist yet. Well, but that'll just come no, when, no, that'll just come Windows unless, running, Microsoft unless you're running certain Linux kernels. Yeah, I think Microsoft patched it. I think it's already been pushed out as a patch. I, yeah, it was last yeah. Tuesday. That's why there was an embargo. Like it gave Microsoft I, a chance to do a patch. But the the embargo was also for patches, so people shouldn't have pushed patches before Monday. No, the purpose of the they embargo didn't announce it so that it can be patched first. <laughs> I would I would hope yeah, that, that would be the case. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original knowledge base article for that update just said various security updates yeah. uh, for Wi-Fi. They don't publicize. They did not give any details. Well, they they, publicize on, that on they the Crack Attack's it. website, they yelled at FreeBSD for pushing theirs too early. Oh. <laughs> like they specifically call out FreeBSD. Well, you, hmm. you can't tell FreeBSD what to do. Well, that, that's pretty much what they said. So they said, <laughs> well, now we just won't tell FreeBSD as early. <laughs> they hmm. won't be in the club. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't be in the club. Good sandwich. But yeah, essentially everything is susceptible to one level or another. Even the Microsoft patched one, if someone's got physical access and can essentially put an access point inside your network, can still sort of get at you unless you're using an Explorer, which screws up the four-way handshake bad enough that it 
is actually invulnerable to this, <laughs> which is kind of fun. <laughs> so, so bad it's good. I like uh, it. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. Uh, there are some Raven Ridge leaks that have come out, starting with uh, a data sheet that was actually, I think this actual product was listed on HP's website for a certain amount of time, but the data sheet, which is a PDF, remains um, where they announced too early uh, a system, the HP Envy X360 2 and what notebook, which already exists as a system. It's got various Intel processors in it. This time, what's interesting is that it uses the Ryzen 5 2500U quad-core processor. Um, we look at our first. These are the Ryzen mobile parts. These are the APUs with integrated Vega graphics as well. Uh, we get our first hints of you know base clock of 2 gigahertz, burst of up to 3.6 gigahertz, 6 megs of cache. Um, they call it Vega M for mobile on this. No real indications of the graphics performance necessarily from these leaks. Um, but what's interesting is this isn't, I, I guess we wouldn't call this HP's flagship line of notebooks, but no. it's, but it's a good one. It's yeah. not like, I don't, I don't want it's to throw it in the bottom bus. of the barrel. It's not like the, yeah, the it's, $400 latitude from Dell type college machine, uh, plastic well, type of stuff. Latitude is business. Well, Inspiron uh, is what Inspiron, you're thinking of, yeah, but they yeah, also yeah. make yeah. nice Inspirons as well. I know, and that's why I was trying to think yeah. of, a, of a better example, but I couldn't come up with one. Sorry, Dell. Um, <laughs> Look at those hinges. So it's a it's it's a modern design. It's it's a yoga style convertible. Um, you know, the 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 one kind of downside that people are finding from this is that they, it has one eight gig dim in it, which. For and a, it's running at 2400. And it's running at 2400, which is slow. But for a system from an architecture that we have clearly proven many times over that memory, frequency, and bandwidth are crucial to. And, and will actually having be, two channels. <laughs> and having two channels is very important to having that bandwidth. And also, yeah. um, now that you're adding graphics into the mix, like integrated GPU onto yeah, this, it's going to be also even hit that more important to have faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is HP. And yeah, they've done this before. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, are you well, saying that everyone did this day. before? With are you giving that as an excuse, or that that they know what they're doing? No, I, I think they they don't care what they're doing. I, yeah. I I remember some of the previous excavator APUs. It's all been single channel with the, graphics the, in there. Yeah, the majority of APU laptops and like have been single channel memory because OEMs think, just don't care. I would think I would hope that somebody in AMD is going. Guys, 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 wait, stop. You no, can't they, they do have, this. except that person has suffered uh, a major head injury from banging their head on the tables all around <laughs> AMD. Uh, yeah. Then AMD years. probably needs to give them a $10 discount because it's what it comes down to is unit cost. No one's going to, no one who knows about this is going to not buy this laptop because it doesn't have dual channel memory. Because if they really are interested in this, the people that know about this will put it in another, another dim. Well, my question would be: well, Is there a second for dim? The dual yeah, there might not even be. You know, because on the Intel side, it's not as as important. Um, it, it still matters, but not nearly as much. Uh, if there is a second dim, then then yes, people who know yeah. will add it back in. But the the the, but the real problem amd is going to have is that people who go to buy these are either going to a read reviews or like the it departments that get a sample in and determine which of these next notebooks they're going to buy a hundred of yep do their side by sides they're not they're not worried about what the memory configuration is they're worried about what's the cost for cost yeah you know they which get is HP. why it's single channel 
It's because well, of the cost. Well, not yeah. only that, but yep. if this was the same model line that was previously offered with Intel parts... It, it is. And Intel was much less sensitive to the single versus yeah. dual-channel thing. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you designed, you know, from a design standpoint, if you designed that machine, and yeah. it only just physically can fit one DIMM, right? Even if it's soldered on or something, if it can only have one channel worth of soldered on DRAM, right. um, you know, you can't... Just might not be uh, the ability to add the second channel, which is also a negative for AMD, generally speaking, yeah. in this kind of a market, right? Because if yeah. if every laptop was fine with one DIM on Intel and now really kind of needs a second one to get max performance. It's almost unfortunate that this Dell data sheet even spells yeah. that out, right? Because normally you don't really see that much detail. <laughs> it's very so clear. it's like, hey, good for you for being honest. But also, that totally screwed that that's up. That's why I think it has a de- second slot. Is because that's in the data sheet, and yeah. it wouldn't say one by if it was soldered, probably. No, I don't think you would. No, yeah. no, no, you definitely well, wouldn't. Well, and they do mention yeah. there is a dual-channel option, okay. so they can charge a premium for those that actually do know. Yeah. And if you are selling them in bulk, um, you've got the option of, instead of having to buy two 8-gig DIMMs to replace yeah. the two 4s that were in there, you can just buy a single 8-gig, which actually will end up to cost less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So dick move, but economically sound. <laughs> right. Well, if it does have two slots, then there's their upsell and even more yeah. motivation to yeah. for customers Th- to choose really the upsell. This really sucks. Hopefully we solve it yeah. someday with HBM on the package Maybe. and they don't yeah. have an option. <laughs> In the meantime, let's talk about the performance leaks that... Um, oh. That was performance. But we don't know that it came from the same system. This is the interesting thing. Oh, like, okay. So these these results are actually pretty good for AMD. These are 3 Mark 11 results, so an old benchmark, but common when you're looking at integrated graphics testing, mm-hmm. right? And again, we don't know if this, this configuration is using dual channel, single channel, what right. frequency. All right. we know is that there's a Ryzen 7 2700U, Ryzen 5 2500U, et cetera. Um, and this this is the the summary of the results, right? So these top results are the rumored leak information, assuming it's all correct. Uh, you've got your graphics test, which looks at the GPU, and you've got your physics test that is essentially like a CPU equivalent. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is we compare that these bottom two machines are Core i7-8550Us, which are the eighth-generation quad-core Kaby Lake R parts. Right. Right, so quad-core hyper-threaded. The top one, the first Intel one, also has a discrete GeForce MX150, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the minimum add-on for a notebook with Intel to kind of give it moderate graphics. Like what, what was the machine? 940MX was the previous one. Yeah, but what, what machine just launched with the MX150? It wasn't the Surface Book. Like the Surface Laptop, I think, has an MX150 option. I'm not sure. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, there there are. What didn't one of the Apple machines you? No, no. they would use. AMD. They, they announced the MX150 at Computex, so it's still a new okay. part. Yeah. So the idea of the MX150 is get as a low power consumption as possible for a notebook configuration that might be like thirty to forty watts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's roughly equivalent to like a GT1030. Yeah, on the desktop side. Um, and so what you see here is two two things that stand out. One, if we just look at the graphics, the green bars, the Ryzen APU, the Ryzen Mobile APU, is just behind the MX150 in terms of graphics proof, yep. which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right? I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit higher, but that's actually pretty good for an, an integrated graphics. It's within striking distance of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, if you look at it on the bottom green bar, 1772, that is the Intel IGP. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking more than 2x perf uh, for the for the APU, and not to mention like the driver differences and improvements you'll have for mm-hmm. mainstream gaming and all that stuff. Also worth noting, the CPU scores. Uh, the physics scores on the on the Ryzen Mobile it's sixty four nineteen. Uh, on the bottom 
processor from Intel. It's like within striking distance again, like 6,600. And that would just be physics that's pure. Physics is, is CPU limited. Right, yeah. like it's it's low resolution. They're testing the CPU. No, I'm with you. It's just that you have the same CPU on. Yeah, so that's what's interesting. If you look at the two Intel results, one of them is 8200 and one of them is 6600. Yeah. The difference we believe is that the HP Spectre X X360 is a 15 inch machine that is larger, has more thermal. Oh, you mm-hmm. think it's boosting higher during the test? It's it's yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's running you know without any kind of thermal. Yep. Uh, or or West thermal impact. Right. Yeah. My my theory is that the processor in the ZenBook is configured down to not be a fifteen watt yeah. part anymore. Yeah. I mean, because th- these parts are configurable by the manufacturer for different yeah. thermal envelopes. Yeah. So these are fifteen watt Intel parts. So that's yeah. what's kind of interesting, right? So the the APU is probably going to be like a thirty five watt TDP, but that includes graphics, you know, fairly high performance graphics. So in theory, the top machine in the leak and the HP Spectre X three sixty should be about the same power consumption total for CPU GPU. Yeah. Um. Whereas the bottom one will be much lower power draw, so we so, expect it to be better battery life and all that type of stuff. I mean, moral story is that AMD looks pretty competitive. They do. It's actually a really interesting thing. <clears throat> um, and we're supposed to start seeing these notebooks like November, December timeframe from AMD. These mm-hmm. Raven Ridge is the code name and Ryzen mobile will be the, the actual name as we see it. So we're starting Ryzen, to see these Ryzen likes. M. Yeah. Is that I, what it was? I don't, I don't, no, I think it's just, uh, I thought it said Ryzen M or something. Ryzen seven, 2700 U. So they I, I kind of don't like that branding. You can't tell it's a mobile part until that last Letter the U <laughs> the U at the end of it I think what's if, the U supposed to stand for even like ultra the U supposed to stand for Intel uses U on their comparable parts yeah. oh but even right. though I think it's unfair because this is a I think this is a thirty five watt part and Intel's U is a fifteen watt part and sure. Intel's does include graphics it's bad graphics yeah but it does include graphics in a fifteen watt part in the fifteen watt part yeah yeah so I'll be very curious to see what systems come out from this what their performance looks like you know all that type of stuff so leaks as we go uh, a couple of other quick things qualcomm um they've already talked about their 5g modem they've talked about 5g technology again this is a much like the storage technology a 2019 type of deal what they did was uh, what they've announced here is they've basically taken this which is a 2u rack mount development system for their 5g nr mo- the nr standing for new radio uh modem tech and they've announced that they've been able to fit it into this which is a – it's not a super thin – what did I say? The, the Is it 11 millimeters, I think? I don't know if I put that in there. It's an 11 millimeter thick reference phone design that they built. I mean, based on the size of the chip that you just showed there, it looks like they could make it smaller if they wanted to. Well, a, a lot of the – so it's the first smartphone design with integration with the X50 modem. It's a discrete modem, not integrated into an SOC yet. So that's one of the reasons it's a little bit bigger. Yep. Um, they were able to showcase greater than one gigabit per second at the 100 megahertz band using only two care, uh, like two set, two X carrier aggregation. I think Ken, was it, we had to need four, four or, or six to get it on, uh, you need four for gigabit, four for gigabit today on the, yeah. on the, on LTE. Um, they also, the biggest thing was that they were proving the feasibility of millimeter wave, technology in a smartphone there were mm-hmm. a lot of there have been a lot of debates about um can you even put this into a smartphone style device because of the amount of surface area you need for the antenna yeah to do that and like things like 
uh, holding your phone wrong are actually yeah. very just holding it at a certain yeah. like, for this. in a yeah. certain orientation. Your hand will block that too. The antenna, right? You know, or you know, the the antenna is pointed away. So they they were basically trying to prove not speed at the millimeter wave, but connectivity at all in the millimeter wave in this in this smartphone design. And they're pulling it off from the so they're able to do it, yeah. And they were able to do it with a uh, you know uh, a transceiver and a, a antenna module that is all based in silicon and it's all you know tiny. I mean, at least you know people will uh, not have to worry so much in the future about the like, oh, I don't want this radiation like going through my body and everything. Like, it can't clearly even, stop. It can't even like break your the <laughs> you know your skin basically. Yeah. Like it was know. funny. I was having a Twitter discussion uh, with somebody about it, and there's a frequency inside in this band that cannot pass through water like fluid at all yeah so like if it rains it's raining don't use that one yeah right like those types of things so there's still a lot of challenges for them to get through but they're just basically showcasing uh the that this exists you know they're making claims kind of curious what kind of uh power consumption it has maybe maybe that's why the phone's big also it has a really big battery yeah they didn't really talk about (laughs) it uh about the power draw of it they did claim that by 2019 by the time this this product is actually commercialized that they would get another 50 percent shrink on the transceiver module um and probably reduce power and i assume it would reduce power at the same time of doing that phone almost looks like a battery pack with with the phone added to it or something i find it kind of (laughs) hilarious at least they didn't they didn't show us one but that there was no shrink between two u rack and <laughs> compo- surface mount component that fits in phone in a phone yeah well it's because they, they they went to fdsoi with this other one and so everything was cured and solved because of that magic technology <laughs> they, they, yeah. this was a one year to one year transition because i was in hong kong at the 4g 5g summit last year when they announced the 5g nr stuff at all and they announced gigabit connectivity like showed first demo gigabit yeah. technology working so this was the 4g 5g summit uh was, was going on this week so that's where that came from so still got a while but hey it's there you know if you if you think about that like how often when you're walking around are you actually in line of sight of a cell tower like you can actually see from where you're not, standing not often so like uh, there even with gigabit lte there is a massive push for little tiny micro cells on top of buildings and cities that you would never notice there's, no, a, lot, okay. there's a lot of push for that also, would give you line like yeah. hey all of the street lights might have a module added yeah, to them. that's like those that's not things. gonna happen that'd be you just it's actually built into the smart light bulb when you screw it in <laughs> oh okay <laughs> just it gets automatically data from nowhere. yeah just everything in your house your house it's just, just like, like a wi-fi repeater essentially yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I see no reason why this can't work. I mean, why not? <laughs> uh, Jeremy quickly posted about the Windows 10 VR update. Um, so are you excited about 3D Paint now? Hey, it looks sexy, doesn't it? No, it never oh, did. You know, if a, you've got goggles to is there a video in for 3D. This or should we be trying this? Is this like a thing already? What? Uh, well, know. it depends. I mean, it started to be pushed out, but the schedule is bizarrely unpredictable, and you don't know when you're going to get it. Well, no, you, you can, can install manually it, install you can it install but it. you might not want to quite yet. Eh, that's fine. I mean, it me. works. We we put it on a few machines at the office, but I like put it is on there... my production machine, yeah. I'm Rebel. And there's a lot of people that are going to be really, really happy uh, about Story Remix, which is Movie Maker that they dumped several generations back. I, from mm. from build Story Remix actually looks very impressive with what you can do easily. Let me, let me like get it, this. It's straight. like it's like a Movie Maker on steroids. Let me get this straight. 
They yes. brought back Movie Maker, but they took out Paint. No, they have Paint yeah, 3D. Well, they, I know they have Paint 3D. <laughs> it's not the same. You just need to place the Control V, there. the thing you screenshotted, like really quickly. I don't think Paint 3D is that thing. You've never tried it, though, have you? I have. <laughs> I don't need to morph it around on the, on the face of a cube. I just need to save the dang screenshot. No. You're not painting right not then. <laughs> and besides, Paint is still there. Just start the process. It's just not in the start menu. So in general, Microsoft wait, never fuck, actually gets serious? rid of anything. Yeah. So it's still there. They well, removed Microsoft never dumps anything. It's all just, of this, all of this heartache by people, and all they did was remove the shortcut. Uh, yeah. Is that usual. seriously what's going on here? Why even ninety percent of people complaining about Microsoft are because a shortcut disappeared and they're not bright enough to see if the actual executable is still around? I just don't understand. Uh, why. Also, I just opened Paint 3D, and you can totally just paste and screenshot the same way you would have in Paint. Oh, you can't. Yeah, it it's just like it works. This is why. Okay, <laughs> but you have to. But you have to have gone to the App Store uh, to no, install it. I think it's bundled with the OS now. Oh, yes, it was supposedly yep. an app. This update. Okay. Well, as long as it's yeah, there and can I can still, still just run the thing, then I'm happy. Yeah. All right. And then fine. the other big thing with this <laughs> rant over, uh, as the <laughs> as, as the already. title implies, this is the mixed reality uh, update. It's yep. in preparation because Microsoft is going to be launching a whole crap load of VR headsets that don't need a base station. They just needed uh, HDMI and USB connected to the machine, and it works. Uh, a lot of people picked up an Oculus or uh, Vive and didn't really get past the whole setup thing because it isn't perfectly logical for someone who's not really used to that sort of thing. They want to plug it in and, ooh, I can see everything. These... The Microsoft ones are going to be like that, and they'll also run on like a Skylake uh, processor, so you don't need mm. quite the same heft as you will uh, if you're trying to run one of these uh, gaming VRs. And the actual operating system itself is going to have some inclusion for being able to interact with it uh, in VR and expect VR Minecraft to be hitting anytime soon. Mm. Uh, there is two things to keep in mind. If you went out and bought a Razer laptop, don't don't upgrade. <laughs> oh yeah, Razer's drivers are not compatible. They need to upgrade them, and Razer's admitted that. Yeah, okay, sorry, we kind of screwed the pooch on this one. So don't upgrade it. And then if you've got one of the brand new surfaces, <laughs> I, I just hold off a bit. That's funny. It, it, it's kind of a foot in the mouth for Microsoft, but at the same time, the the market share on those brand new surfaces is still tiny enough, and not a lot of people are screaming, but. The ones that have them, a lot of people are streaming. Not all, but a lot. I think if your Razer laptop's old enough, it won't matter. This is like a 2015, and I didn't even install any Razer-specific drivers. Yeah, like it's, it's probably the brand new ones. It's literally just mm-hmm. like, you know, default. one. And it even found like the, you know, it does the, whatever that's called, where it's passing the GPU through the CPU pathway. It can use the integrated or the uh, discrete. Oh, it's just yeah. built into the mm-hmm. video driver. Yeah. It can switch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like that's just... It just all worked without anything special. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, our last bit of news: the world's only X two ninety nine Mini ITX motherboard, the Asrock X two ninety nine E ITX AC. They did it. The Photoshop said it was impossible. No, 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 no. The Photoshop says the Threadripper is impossible. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Oh. You're right. You're right. This one's still kind of crazy. They had to rotate the socket ninety <laughs> degrees. Mm-hmm. There's still four channels, but it is so dim. Um, there are five towards, sodium slots, though. Wait, what? Wait, what? 
There's one no, to the left of four. the socket. That's not a sodium That's slot. That's an M.2. Two. No, they're using That's a sodium slot at, at with an M.2 daughter. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a well, sodium okay, slot. Okay, fair enough. Oh, right here. It's okay. an M.2 sodium. Yeah. M.2 dim. <laughs> it's still got six SATA ports. There it's... are three M.2 slots on this motherboard. Yeah, if you flip it over what? or <laughs> just scroll down yeah, a little bit. on the back there. Remember I was complaining that there was only two? Or there was only two on the back. Yeah, there you go. So there's two on the back of the board. Wow. Yep. Which is and then if you scroll to the right. Idea. I was complaining there uh, wasn't four, good. so you can do VROC with four. <laughs> and I want to got the Wi-Fi current in it. And look yeah. at that. I doubt it has the VROC header on it for the key. <laughs> there's also, a, that's true. <laughs> there's a Bits Power water block, full cover water yeah, full block. Coverage. For, uh, <laughs> specifically designed for it. Covers the CPU Jeez, and the VRMs. Because you also need to cover the VRMs. Yeah, that's Because true. there's no room for a dang VRM heatsink. Yeah, uh, no. actually, so <laughs> VRMs are on a daughter board. Uh, is that, oh, wait. Is that so this the, right here? Right does that water block You need to scroll over, Ryan. You need to scroll over to the right. That. You can't anymore. You can't further. scroll anymore. Uh, it, he can't even pinch it. Here, hold on. Yeah, there you go. Boom. So I wonder and if that man. block does hit those. Uh, I don't know. It'd have to be the side of the block would have to make contact. You stick like a... Well, if you look... But- it looks, looks like, like there it is does. something sort of coming out of the side yeah. there. Oh, okay. Well, no, actually, I think that's just like the tubing and lights. I don't know. I like how there's also the daughter board sticking up for the sad parts. <laughs> yeah, we can't stick these off the edge. Who asked for this? I'm, I'm I calling guess we it. Did. I'm calling it. They're doing a thread ripper one. Oh, I mean, They're going to figure it out. It's just going like, to be like a little 90 little degree angle of daughter board. It'll have one dim slot, of course. Yeah, there's the socket for thread ripper. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the rest right, of the motherboard is just going to be ninety degrees sticking out. They're going to be all gonna, the dims go on the back. Yeah, yeah. All the dims, <laughs> on the back. everything else just goes on the the thread ripper goes on the yeah. bottom. How about that? So you start with the <laughs> socket being a structural else. part. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Oh man, it's actually a weight bearing socket now. Yeah. Eight hundred two eleven AC USB three point one Gen Type A and C. Put an eighteen core processor in this thing, and with the tiny tiny system. I mean, kind of tiny because you still got to cool it. I mean, so yeah. you either got to do water cooling, which is I not a, tiny. Do you oh. need? Is the water block required? And yet, no, I don't. Well, no, no it's not required. So. Stick a Sebastian style fan on that bad boy. I mean, there's still like the Mori. normal mounting holes yeah. here. You yeah. can see. Put a Mori style heatsink on there, and be like the size of the board. Yeah, but I mean, and you could stick do a GTX 1080T at the bottom. Yeah. Like Corsair has that super low profile. I'm sorry. Did you say nine eight ten eighty t ten eighty ti? I don't know what he's. He tried to abbreviate ti. I was like, it's either ti or ti. Tea was not on the list of options. The Canadian thing. It's Jeremy. His eye got lost in the Canadian packet loss. Oh, so okay. There's that board. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Seriously, Ryan, that was your pick. Right quick. What? Right quick. What do you mean? Ken, do you have a pick? No. That's oh, fine. I'm not I'm just, open up, just open up the links. I will delete you. Um, so this is mine, and this is kind of a cheat for this stuff. So uh, we have bourbon bottles, and uh, our FedEx driver showed me this cool trick where you can make them into tiki bottles, tiki <laughs> torches, essentially. Right? You basically drink all the liquor, step one. Uh, step check. two, rinse it out. Uh, step three, not, fill not it with check. some st- still. Fill it like, you know, a quarter way with some pea gravel, fill it with citronella oil, put a wick in, uh, light it on fire. Like those are essentially the steps you have. Now, 
Um, what they have so because wine bottles have a standard opening. Yep. Right. They sell these kits on Amazon. So like four of them um, that come with the wick, the uh, flange essentially at the top, and the snuffers, uh, if you will, yeah. uh, out there, the brass caps. And you just have a wine bottle. You Step one, drink the wine. Step two, rinse it out. Step uh-huh. three, fill it with citronella oil or stone or whatever you want to do with uh-huh. that, March. Uh-huh. Um, now, the benefit here is you can see that there is a – there's like black rubber – uh, gaskets, yeah, or rings, or, or rings, rings around it. Like mine, don't have any of that. If y- if, if mine, if my bourbon bottle based ones fell over, oh. oil would just come out. And then you'd have fire everywhere. I mean, in theory. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a little <laughs> bit better. I don't know if it's like how tight or how perfectly the seal is. It's better than no seal, which is what I have. So right. But again, you're putting a third of of the bottle as pea gravel on the bottom and the weight should, should keep down and then you light it up and uh it looks pretty and it keeps bugs away so and you're recycling your bottles so almost free tiki torches you have to buy this kit it, and you have to buy and, the oil and drink the wine and the oil and, and drink, drink the, the wine, wine. Yeah, yeah yeah and buy the wine but, I mean, it's up. super easy to do um and you know if uh it's kind of a nice art piece like if you uh you know remove the plastic part yeah that's if you know, what kind of wine are you drinking that's got plastic yeah. on these, it? These are for other bottles. That's clearly that's aren't like, just for, I yeah, don't that's think not. these are meant for box wine. Tiki torch. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Are, are these appropriate for uh, <laughs> box wine tiki torch? See, so this yeah. one, what they did was they looks like they filled it with like uh, marbles or those little glass rocks. Yeah. Well, then, you want uh, something to displace because you don't need that much freaking tiki torch oil and thing. You don't tell me what I need. One. I'm just saying. And like, two, you're probably right. But you know. yeah, it's a you neat be idea. A little bit more of a hipster at the uh, at the next rally in Charlottesville with your tiki torch. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I made my own tiki torch. It's made out of my favorite I didn't have wine to buy bottle. It at Home Depot for this white <laughs> nationalism rally. I, I will say, uh, having gone to Home Depot to try to find uh, torch oil, uh, they were all out of it. They yeah. they were all out of it. So. Oh. Well, you do live in Kentucky. <laughs> what are you saying, Josh? Uh, what are you saying? Uh, up next, um, who has the KF concept? Uh, that's on me. Who was that? Why am, I, why am I? Why am I? Who's next? What I is your product? Know. Who is it? Uh, Alan. I don't know why this is out of order. It was Ryan, Alan, Josh, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy. So, we're okay, you're up here. Tell me what you got. Uh, well, I was fishing around. I was going to go for an incredibly cheap uh, power supply, and then I decided to go with uh, an incredibly good deal on a decent uh, brand new TV. That's not a power supply. That's not even the no. same category of products. Well, no, but I got distracted by the $1,000 off coupon. Oh. Yeah, yeah that works. So, you know, uh, yeah, so 120 hertz, 4K, uh, active HDR with Dolby Vision Smart if you want it. Yeah, uh, but it's a 65 incher for 1,100 bucks Canadian, mm-hmm. which is significantly less. Holy crap! Than most of your normal uh, current generation it's ones, like and it is a current generation LG. 600 bucks for a so, 65 inch 4K TV? It's not really 600 dollars yeah. in in US dollars. No, it said in US dollars in parentheses at the go up. 877. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Still, Still cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You were real yeah. close. Limited time offer. So gravel can. <laughs> Oh, but man. yeah, that is just a damn good deal. Yep. So you got the I TV, like but your computer still doesn't work because you need a power supply. <laughs> well, 
I don't know. It was a four hundred and fifty dollar power supply that I think all told was twenty four dollars. Are you talking about you needed a power supply to fix your other television? Is that no? What oh no, he, this is no. I'm just I was shopping for around pick. for deals. He didn't buy this. Oh, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah. All right, uh, Josh, what do you got for me? Okay, this is more of kind of software in that it's streaming, <laughs> but uh, sure. Wife and I sat down and and watched this thing over the last couple of days, and it's a fantastic series, Mindhunter, on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you need to. The guy who plays Ed Kemper, I mean, it just hooks you on in. Wait, do we need to blur this out? What's that? Do we need to blur that picture out? Why? Uh, What's he holding a picture of? Oh, well, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. But yeah, it's uh, really? well written, well acted, well directed. Production values top notch. See that that guy episode two, the the, the big tall guy. That's Ed Kemper. Oh, okay. A six nine serial killer who weighed in between two hundred fifty and three hundred pounds. Not exactly inconspicuous. So he was he was very good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> at his job, so to speak. Got it. Yes. That's on Netflix. But uh, it's fascinating. If you don't have Netflix, well, this is a good reason to get it because it's good. Fair enough. So is this one of those where you're going to tell me it gets better after this first episode? I I made it halfway through the first episode and turned it off. Yeah, no, the the first episode was a little wooden, but then It it accelerated quickly. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, no, I literally watched it last night because you had been mentioning it, and I made it mm-hmm. till he was he'd hooked up with the gal at the bar and was headed home. Like this is just abysmally awful, and turned it off. It, it so, was you know, give you it know, a that, shot. Yeah, the first half of the first episode was a little, but after that, it rolls quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe Alan, you're last. All right, so uh, there used to be this trick you could do in photography where if you wanted to uh, have a variable filter, like a variable uh, neutral density style filter, you can take two circular polarizer filters and screw them on top of each other. And then you, if you kind of crossed the phase of the polarization, it would make it progressively darker, okay. right? Well, you have to buy two CPL filters to accomplish that. Well, people started making just like single packaged things that has both of these things in there and you can buy it and they used to be pretty expensive and they're getting they've been getting cheaper so now for like 20 how do you adjust the darkness level of it you just rotate it uh okay so it's a pull it is a polarization it's it's still two pieces of polarized film Mm -hmm. in there one of them stationary just one one stationary the other one rotates um and there's like you could tell there's a little grip you know kind of like um teeth on the edge of it that you just kind of grab onto and you know, spin. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's less of a pain in the butt to use than the stacked pair of CPLs, because with those, if you try to turn one, you might turn both because mm-hmm. they, they both rotate, right? With this thing, you just, you know, is this so I can take pictures of the sun? Uh, no, it's actually not yes. quite enough for that because you, well, okay. I take that back. You can take this pictures of the sun. A picture I want over here. On if the you, right. if you crank it to the max, it will do, you yeah. can do that. But also, when you're at the max, you get some weird uh, artifacts, like effects that, you know, makes it not a neutral density filter anymore. Like, it was turning the sun purple and stuff like that, you know. But enough. That only happens when you go all the way to the max. It's not meant to operate that far. 
So if you want to do sun pictures, you still need like some mylar film for that. But uh, this will cover you. Cool. You know. All right, everybody. That will be it for the episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. PCpart.com slash podcast. Go there. Find our backlinks, our show notes, our uh, picks of the week, uh, RSS feeds, video files, all the stuff you need to access to continue to enjoy or whatever you do with our podcast can all be found there. Uh, we're running late, so I'm going to end it there. Thanks, everybody. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. Good night.